this is the U.S. government and the dollar system beating an open source project and a free speech project. This isn't like, oh, Bitcoin's winning because ETH is losing. It's like, no, there's, this is a big change that's happening. Hello there, how are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Mark Goodwin, the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine, and he was also the composer of that intro that you just heard. Now, Mark, being the legend that he is, flew all the way from San Francisco to Bedford to make this interview, but of course, I took him to a Bedford game, which we won. I think he enjoyed it. Anyway, this was initially meant to be an interview covering progressives and Bitcoin, but Mark wrote this amazing article about what happened with Tornado Cash and the upcoming ETH fork, so we obviously had to get into that. Now, just a warning, it took a little bit of time to get into the Bitcoin stuff in this episode, because once I found out Mark had made the music, we went down a bit of a music rabbit hole, so anyone who doesn't care about that, you might just want to skip ahead. I thought it was pretty interesting. Anyway, if you've got any questions about this show or anything else, then please feel free to reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Are we on? <laughs> <laughs> We're on. We're on. What do you mean you what do you mean you made a record? Uh well, you know, that's what I when I'm not doing just Bitcoin. Uh you I do, do other shit? Yeah, I know. Very rarely. It's pretty much Bitcoin. But uh you're yeah, not, I, uh, you're not a maxi. Yeah, I know. I'm not. No, I am. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I went to school for music, actually, for uh, jazz drums at a conservatory in Boston. And then I hated having to rely on other people to, you know, I'm the target audience for like a jazz solo drum show. Uh-huh. And I would never go to that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, so I was got sick of relying on uh, bandmates and stuff to do anything. So I started learning all the other instruments. So this record I just did, uh, it's like guitar focused and there's no drums. It's all digital drums. So it's like the total opposite of everything I do. You put it on. This can be the intro for the show. It sounds like the kind of thing we would use for the intro. Yeah. Sounds a little bit Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. It's a little Bay Area psychedelia, yeah. Yeah, do you know Black Rebel Motorcycle yeah. Club? Yeah. First time I saw them, they supported Oasis, and they were the better band. Oh, yeah, totally. This is badass. Yeah, man. This is one of those times I don't have to pretend I like it. <laughs> and go, yeah. I mean, I could replace the lyrics and talk about what Bitcoin did and you guys can take it. There you go. Let's get yeah, permission. Anytime you want, man. Of course. Oh. Open source, baby. You know you know when somebody's like, look at my picture or listen to my song, you're like, yeah, like, yeah it's really thanks. cool. And you're yeah. like, oh, fuck, man. That's just <laughs> fucking terrible. That's actually badass. We would use that. Yeah, we, we, just, we need to. Uh, we haven't changed it for a while, have we? Yeah, I think we might find a yeah. spot. Look at you and your Bedford shirt. We're going to the game. <laughs> Shit, I should have put mine on. I, I, I'm gonna get one, and then I'll I'll be repping in the. We're in an away game. You can't get one. Tom uh, said he might bring some. They're coming. Did he? Yeah, I think Emma said she'd take care of me. Huh. I put in an order, so. Sweet. Yeah, I'm stoked. Did they take your money? Not yet, but they will. Don't worry. I wonder if they charge you Bedford or international prices. Make sure they charge you Bedford. I prices. think that was the. They were like, "Do it here," because I was like, "Oh, if it's too much, I'll just do it online." They're like, "No, no, no. Let's take care of you." So. I would have told you to do it online. <laughs> Welcome to Bedford, man. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. You uh, you are the rap show Yeah. of this sprint, and you're also the person who traveled the furthest. Uh, what an honor. It, it feels it. I, I think I got about 
six hours of sleep in the last uh, two days. So I'm, uh, if I'm a little slow, that's what it is. But I'm so stoked to be here. And yeah, uh, I haven't been to the UK in like 15 years. And uh, it's great to be back, man. Well, thank you for coming. I mean, yeah. it's a hell of a journey. Do you like Bedford? I actually do a lot. I, I'm a huge sucker for, uh, I'm, I'm a sort of an amateur gardener. Uh-huh. And uh the British have the best gardens, you know, English cottage gardens. It's like, they, you really do, you yeah. know? And uh, so I've been loving it. Yeah, walking around the river and just checking shit out. And So the corn exchange? Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, man, well, listen, thank you. you for, thank you for coming in. Thank you for answering our call. We wanted to get a, uh, some new guests on the show, yeah. some people we haven't spoken to before, which uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, also, thank you for all the great work you do at Bitcoin Magazine. And Bitcoin Magazine generally, I think ever since, I would say, Bitcoin 2019, Bitcoin Magazine has like been just raising its game to like new levels every year. It just gets bigger and better. The magazine gets better. The website gets better. The writers get better. The, events get, the event gets better. We've now got an event in Amsterdam soon, which I'm going to. Yeah. Like. Like I don't know how Bailey's done it. I don't know if he takes a credit or the team takes a credit or like what, but Bitcoin Magazine is crushing it. It it's I mean I'm just a tiny cog in a in a in a great wonderful machine. But uh, I mean first off, Bitcoin is just growing, and 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 Bitcoin Magazine is really a platform for Bitcoiners, right? So Bitcoin doing well and growing means Bitcoin Magazine is doing well if we're doing our job right, right? Yeah. And our contributor network is just. Can I, I can swear, right? You say what? Okay. Fuck, say what yeah, it's the just fuck the fuck fucking like. shit, right? And 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 the the team is just so good at 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 pulling people. I mean, I just wrote, I just submitted completely blindly, wrote an article, like less than a year ago. It was in September, and submitted it in, and then they were and just was like, hey, I don't know, maybe you'd be interested, and they you know, pull me out and they're like, this is really good. You clearly understand this, but well, they invited me to come on and do a, a show. They did a spaces, talked to me, asked me if I wanted to write more. Um, and within, you know, I was then a paid writer, uh, you know, within a few months of doing other stuff and then, you know, basically invited me to come on. And so what were you doing before? Uh, I was in a uh, hospitality and, uh, you know, restaurant bartender stuff for <laughs> so like you got a decade. To, you got to ditch a fiat job and come yeah. and do a Bitcoin job. Yeah. Sweet, man. But it was in, it was great. I, I bartended in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Um, so the way I actually like first heard about Bitcoin was like the guy that put up Silk Road 2.0, like the next day was a regular at my bar who came in basically every day. Well, the dude, the dude who got like two weeks in prison compared yeah, to Ross's like, life in prison. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Double so he, life he, in prison. Yeah. Double life it's, plus 40 years. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, he was just a regular at my bar and he just like came in. It was like, you know, probably the beginning of 2014-ish, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And he was like, do you smoke weed? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Have I got got the website for you? (laughs) No, actually, he had just bought a Tesla, which back then was, that was like kind of a rare thing. And he was like, oh, I bought it with Bitcoin. And so, and I was like, I don't know what that is, whatever. And he was like, and so I went around the block with him and he drove me around and he kind of told me like the, the, you know, sort of basics about it. Um, And then literally like I just started kind of getting interested in it and working all the parties for all these companies. And I actually worked Bitcoin 2019 as a bartender, <laughs> which is so weird. You like, did? Yeah. Like I, so uh, really weird. Yeah. Um, being in the Bay area, just like the proximity of it was so, you know, and of course I didn't pay enough attention and, and didn't actually in earnest start doing anything until 2017. But, Everybody, uh, <laughs> yeah. everyone has a story. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone could be a billionaire. Nothing like uh, losing, you know, 50, 
Bitcoin on Silk Road or anything like that. So Tim, Tim Draper's got three of my Bitcoin. There you go. Really? Yeah. Fuckers, man. God yeah, damn. we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> uh, yeah, when Silk Road went down, I had um, three Bitcoin on there. I was using to buy books you can't buy in normal stores. Right. Smart man. <laughs> it's all about the books. All about the books. All about the books. I'm a big book man as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to Tim Draper, Tim Draper got it in the auction, huh? He got it in the auction. I told him, I was like, Tim, can I have my Bitcoin back? <laughs> like, you bought a lot of Bitcoin there. Three of those were mine. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah, come on. It's only fair. Yeah, that's uh, that's the that's a your profit to your profiteering off theft from that's, me. Absolutely, government sanctioned theft. Yeah, come, come on, on, Draper. You have Bitcoin? Give me my Bitcoin yeah. back. Are you a freedom, freedom max or what? Yeah, I see you there with your Bitcoin tie, <laughs> going around talking about Bitcoin. Yeah. Anyway. He can have those three Bitcoin. Yeah. He probably needs it. <laughs> well, listen, you're crushing it, man. And now uh, we have the print magazine, which I am a subscriber to. And uh, I brought a copy here What for do you, you got over there? Yeah, I have the uh, censorship resistant. I mean, I think I already have this Yes, one. I do believe I do believe that one. You probably already do. I, I went straight and subscribed immediately. It's beautiful. It's, it's uh, the team... Um, that works on it. Like I, I came in and joined um, Annabelle and Joe Rogers and Pete Rizzo and Germano on that team. Uh, they're just so talented and That's savage and team. incredible. And just really, they just care so much, right? Like when I started there, you know, I'm on the West Coast and they're sort of East Coast. Everyone's kind of all over the place. And I, I was like, I'm going to give that to Danny because I've got this one. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. I got, I got more for you guys too. So, um, but like I asked, I was like, what's the like what's the hours that we all work, you know, like what, what's, what am I expected to be in, in you know, at my computer, you know, doing this and, and CK just kind of laughed and yeah. he was like, dude, we're Bitcoiners. Yeah, what the fuck you want about? And I was like, all right, cool. Let's go. And, uh, Danny, what are your hours? <laughs> all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoiner hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bitcoiner hours. But like, what are your actual hours? I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I have no, like no yeah. routine, no schedule. Yep. When do I check up on you? I never. <laughs> but that's how, I mean, how much holiday are you allowed to take? Uh, I don't even like as much as one. Yeah, it's Bitcoin hours, man. Yeah, man. You know your job. Do your yeah. hours. Do like yeah, as long as and, you get the work done. Yeah. Like, and when there's a deadline, I work way more than I would probably work a normal. And it's like boom, 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 and it's the best. Like I, it's not. Do you know what the difference overtime? is? You know why this is? Me and Danny were talking about this the other day. We don't have jobs. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, I think it's really an important thing to distinguish. A job is something you're. a you feel obliged to go to. You have to turn up. Hundred percent. There are set hours. You go. You're a slave. You pick up your wage, and you go down the bar. Like it's just it's bullshit. Right? And, and you're and you're working someone else's dream. Yeah. You yeah. But I, sometimes you can work someone else's dream, and it's not a job. That's true. Like Danny, not only works on the podcast. Well, I guess I mean I, I don't know. I've never even asked Danny this. Like, is it your dream to be a producer of a podcast? I mean, dream. I don't know. I don't <laughs> but you live in the dream, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. He flies yeah. around. Flies around the world. The He's dream versus living the dream is is different. You know, but the like, ideal dream versus the like. I don't know how I got here, but this is the best. Yeah. like that's kind of how it's I feel. Just fly around the world and talk to cool people. Right? Yeah, like, I mean, like a year ago, whatever. And then you get a phone call. Come to the UK. Right. Come hang out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because, but people earn the right to like the, for this to happen. But like my the football club is my dream, right? Hundred percent. Danny works on that. Tom works on that. Emma, they all work on that. They're all helping someone else's dream, but they they enjoy it. I think the thing is, is like, I don't consider this a job. I just consider this 
what I do and I get paid for it. Like, I, it's my just life. Totally. So there's no, like, moment I'm... Because I've had shit jobs, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Dude, worst job I ever had, I used to hammer handles on umbrellas for eight hours a day. Literally go in. Wow. Hammer <laughs> handles on umbrellas. That's the most UK thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, was, I, I was a teenager. I was in a factory down at the yeah. in a place called Kempston near Bedford. Uh, and it, it was fucked up for two reasons. The place was split into two with a big wall down the middle. One side is where they printed all the kind of triangles of the umbrella. Right. And the other side is where they stitched, stitched them together and put the handles on. And I was on the handle. Oh, bit, right. but, but I was the only handle hammer on right. it. <laughs> but all the all the ladies uh, who stitched the the kind of triangle sections together with that side as well, but they're all Indians. They didn't speak English. Hmm. So I didn't have anything to talk to them about. But I could hear over the wall all the lads doing the printing, just having fun all day. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> Can I just go to that side and yeah. put the handle? And they're like, no, because the way the production line works, once the blah, 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 you have to be there. So I used to come up with games because what would happen is I'd ha hammer a few and I'd look up and like 15 minutes have gone. I've got another seven oh. hours of this shit. Time so preference. I used to come up with games like, <laughs> how many can I do in an hour? How many can I do in 15 minutes? Can I beat that 15 minutes? I was like, this is fucking bullshit. I didn't, I'm not doing this for my life. Yeah. Whatever. Wherever, we, yeah, that was a long time ago. But like, that's a job. Yeah. And it's bullshit. And I hated it. I hated it. This isn't a job. We just get up and work and we hang out or whatever. And, and it's like when, you know, if I close my work laptop after a day of working and I maybe I open, you know, my personal, you know, my music production one, I very often just continue working on the exact same thing and just reading about and researching, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. It's like the, this idea of like clocking in, punch out. Oh, let me just leave that behind. It's like, no, like this is. I feel a huge responsibility um, and, and really an honor that I have this platform to work with, at, you know, editorially. It's like, I feel so responsible to the community to make sure that I'm, you know, honoring the space that has taken care of me so much. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to run this editorial and jam shit down people's throats. Like, yeah, we're going to do badass stuff like censorship resistance, whatever, but we have a political issue coming out and like, I'm not doing my job if I don't, you know show every side of this thing it's like that bitcoin is for anyone that's funny you should say that i'll say i said another thing as well by the way i think when it's not a job yeah you end up actually work more hours a hundred percent because you're not watching i the work clock. way harder for bitcoin magazine than any bar job or anything i've ever because had. you're not watching the clock you just, you, you've got you've got goals whereas yeah so you just work as much as you can because you just want it to be brilliant but the other thing about that sense of responsibility i get that I and mean, we we do and i say we i mean the show yeah. is me and danny now like he is as much part of this as i am and uh in some ways more than me like he runs it he allows me to do other things but we feel a huge sense of responsibility with this we you can't get away from your own bias and opinion right of course people know my biases they know my opinions but we're consciously aware that the show should not be a platform for my opinions. It should be a platform for everyone else's. And that's why we feel the sense of responsibility for two things, to get as broad a range of people uh, as possible, every political idea, but also try and elevate voices that maybe haven't been heard before. You know, try and get new people out there. And we've had some successes of that. Troy Cross. Oh, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, he's been a huge success. He's, you know, not he, a, he's not a, blown up yeah like and and that's it's such a testament to what you guys are doing really like that was well, a testament to him as well 100 percent. yeah all he needed was like a fuse lighting under and then off he off he went uh jason meyer who we recently had on yeah 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 um, the book coming out yeah because yeah. well, yes we've 
we were conscious that there was a long period of time where m a lot of our guests uh, opinions were maybe from the right of libertarians we totally. weren't given enough of a voice to people from the left so for a couple of months we've been doing that and you know we've elevated some voices and it's huge ho hopefully that crosses the aisle but that sense of responsibility is important and i I'm not sure everyone gets that. I think I think some people get lost in what their agenda is. When it, it, we we have an agenda for everyone because Bitcoin is for all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, 100%. I think people use Bitcoin because they're like, oh, hey, I made this crazy, you know, contrarian bet five, six, seven, eight years ago, and now I'm a you know multimillionaire or whatever. It's like, of course, I'm going to be an egotistical maniac. It's like that kind of makes sense. But you're doing a great disservice to Bitcoin by doing that. And the way I look at it is like, it in, in many ways, it is information warfare, right? If we want to use the terms of that yep. sort of party, sure. Why are you continually handing ammunition to the other side that makes you look bad and makes them easily dismiss this? And when I see this and I talk to people, uh, whether it's in my company, whether it's friends, in, you know, influence, you know, whatever. And when I see people doing stuff like that, it's like, I'm never like, I'm not going to shame you or make you feel bad or whatever. But it's like, you realize that you just discredited all of this stuff by calling that person this thing or saying that name or this. You, you've proven their bias against you that they decided before they walked in. They, you, you've, you've confirmed it. Because and, it's uh, cool to be based and <laughs> also you get a lot of social yeah. capital from being an asshole sometimes. Yeah, which is just like we got to move towards waters more maximalism where we are bringing in people with like logic and not exclusion you know, and I think the the battlefield has changed, and Bitcoin is much more about we need waters warm and logical arguments, and less like are we going to be socially you know manipulated? Are there you know there's less social attack vectors in Bitcoin now than there were five or six seven years ago? Yeah. And By the way, this isn't an anti maxi thing. This is an anti arsenal thing. Of I'm, course, I think maximalism is what I understand it to be. I think super important, uh, and I think there are. I think you see you, you you will see a gradual change in the guard with some people as well, like, like Lynn Alden, fucking crushing it. She's unbelievable, and I think she's crushing it. Not only is she smart, but she comes with really good reasoned rational arguments. Hundred percent. She's not she's not attacking people. She's no. not insulting people. No. And actually, if you want somebody out there on a, a platform educating no coiners or regulators or the media, she's perfect. Hundred percent. And like Andreas. That guy, I mean, yeah, there's things I disagree with him about with some things, but like, what a nice, sweet guy. Where, where that is he is, gone? Come back and yeah, I know. I've missed that dude I know, so me much. too. I, I'm so glad that I really came into Bitcoin in, in 2018 bear and was just able to go to sleep every night listening to Andreas and learning. I mean, just like, I need to what go a back teacher. I've got a couple of weeks off now, and I think I'm going to have a week of re, you know, going back and watching old Andreas videos, reading Nakamoto Institute 100%. articles, and just refreshing on the old stuff. 100%. Because we've, we've become a culture of preaching instead of a culture of teaching, and that is just the yes. incorrect way to go forward. And the idea of heter heterodoxy you know, being the path that succeeds with Bitcoin is just ridiculous. It's like, we want to try to be as decentralized and anti-fragile as possible, and yet if you don't agree to, you know, only eat meat and, you know, anyone that is LGBT is, is, is disregarded or whatever. It's like, that's ridiculous. It's like, that's so antithetical to Bitcoin's ideals and just being a good person. And like, you're also not bringing in more people into the network, which is like, like it's like you're doing everything wrong. I had a really good argument on the uh, LGBT thing recently in that, by the way, I do, th I, I do think there are some issues with, uh, 
teaching about sexuality to people too young. Of course. And talking about gender stuff too young. Of I've got kids. I, I don't need them to be going to school and getting that. Teach them math and English and sure. French and history. That, that stuff can come later. And I think parents can do a lot of that work. At the same time, what I think that has done, that's led to some discriminatory behavior towards the LGBT community. But somebody made a really good point uh, to me recently. They said, there should be the the, the Bitcoiners should feel a very uh, uh, an affiliation with the LGBT community because they're yes. two communities that have been attacked by the state. Yes, uh, for a long time, even pre prior prior to the trans issues being fought for. Prior to that, when we just had uh, it was illegal to be homosexual. I mean, we're not far from uh, Bletchley Park where. Uh, the truer machine is. Uh, he he was was he prosecuted or was he was he prosecuted for being gay? I Alan can't Turing. remember. I mean, he you know yeah he went I through think some worse shit for that. Than prosecuted. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't he like chemically castrated? Yeah, or that's yeah. what I was yeah. certainly but, but some was manipulation. He sent to, was he yeah. sent to, but I'm just saying. I mean, that's not too long ago in distant history. Okay, and so gay people, <laughs> you know, gay and lesbian people had to fight to just get basic equal rights from the state, and we're fighting for basic economic rights from the state we've both fought the state so there should be a, an affiliation with that 100 and so separate what you disagree with on, on how maybe certain parts of these groups campaign totally from the fact that these people deserve equal rights and i thought that was a really good argument totally and then also it's like you, you know who like loves gun ownership and stuff uh carl marx <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> no he's like oh you know yeah the working class should own guns and and protect them you know and i'm not necessarily you know do whatever you want but like there's so much uh you know common ground between these groups that bitcoiners you know from the heterodox bitcoiners just immediately write off and it's like Wait, you, why are you shutting yourself off to that? It's just so, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. But I think that's changing. We are, we, yes. we are seeing, uh, as, as Bitcoin goes more mainstream, um, the, some of the libertarian ideas might be difficult to sell into other people. And so as Bitcoin yeah, spreads to the mainstream, we're going to get more people who are traditional conservatives and traditional progressives coming in. And they're not all going to be converted to the ideas of totally. libertarians. And therefore... These voices are going to be elevated and they're going to share their view maybe from a progressive background, a conservative background. And hopefully we're going to have a more, uh, how do I put it, well, secular, yeah. <laughs> for, for, yeah, for a better choice of words, but uh, a more kind of, I don't know. Ho hopefully, what I think it is, during a cultural war which, where everything's been highly politicized, I hope Bitcoin is the thing that brings people across the aisle and works together. And I think that that's my hope. And I, I hope if this show can bring do a little bit towards that by bringing people together and saying, you know what, we disagree on this. Like with Jason, you may disagree with Jason Meyer on his politics, but you can't disagree with him on Bitcoin. He believes in Bitcoin. He believes in censorship. He believes in the rules of consensus. Yeah. Exactly the same as you, but he just sees a different use for it from you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, I you know, been in communication with a lot of lefty Bitcoiners and, you know, I knew you had Margo on. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. And yeah, there's like, I think the biggest, uh, you know, sort of a subculture or culture that will adopt Bitcoin next is the walkaway leftists like myself that I will never vote for a Democrat ever again. Because, ever, because they've abandoned me completely. I consider myself working class um, and I feel that they no longer represent us at all. I mean, they've sold us down the river. It's just ridiculous. This show is brought to you by Cake Wallet. Now, Cake Wallet is a non-custodial wallet which means it protects both my security and privacy because it doesn't share my important information with unnecessary third parties. 
With Cake Wallet, not only can I hodl Bitcoin, but I can easily pay privately with Monero. Cake Wallet is accelerating Bitcoin adoption, since they now support buying gift cards instantly with Bitcoin, which can be used at over 150,000 merchants in the US. You can easily purchase the exact amount you need at the register and have the gift card appear instantly within Cake Wallet without needing to wait for any confirmations. And you also get to save an average 2% on purchases. And Cake Pay only requires an email, nothing else. To check out Cake Wallet, please head over to cakewallet.com or search for Cake Wallet in the Google or Apple app stores. Next up, it is BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty with finding a payment service provider that understands Bitcoin and reached out to me. Now, BCB clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, and now they are expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now, listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this too. If you are looking for a banking provider that understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. If you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up, we have Compass Mining, and they are not just a sponsor. I'm a customer of Compass 2, and I am back mining Bitcoin, and I've been mining for nearly a year now, and I've mined over 0.75 Bitcoin, which is pretty cool. Now, anyone can start mining with Compass Mining, and to help you, Compass have launched the Compass Score, to help you make informed decisions about your next mining purchase. The score highlights how good each ASIC deal is based on a number of factors such as price, miner age, difficulty, hashing power, and the current Bitcoin price. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. Now, if you're interested in mining or you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. Also today, we have Gemini, who I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm still only buying, right? We're hodlers. The market's looking good. We're not sellers. And I am also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. Gemini are also running a special offer for listeners of What Bitcoin Did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Great. I want to hear this and I'll tell you why. Because one of my frustrations is, is we post a show with a progressive or a leftist uh, and and YouTube comments, you get, oh, why are you talking to them? They just want to groom children. Or they just want to, it's just like, well, hold on a second. You yeah. cannot categorize the entire, uh, uh, everybody on the left based on what you've seen on Libs of TikTok. 100%. Libs of TikTok picks out the worst <laughs> ideas yeah. that have come from the left. You cannot attribute to that. That's like attributing uh, white supremacy to all people from the right. That's it's what just I was going to say. It's like you're doing the same game here. Yeah. You're doing lazy bucketing. Yeah, don't do that. And it's just to such a disservice. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Do you think the Democrat Party is can recover? Uh I think at this point, no. And I think it needs to implode uh, in the sense that I think America needs to break the Purple Party dichotomy. It's just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, 
you know, I, I, I think it does need to break down. Uh, I think it needs to have a true progressive party again. Um, like, I'm sorry, like, you know, voting to expand NATO <laughs> is not progressive. Uh, you know, voting to print a ton of money and send a bunch of money off for military stuff is not really super progressive. Um, you know, again, printing a bunch of money and giving it to banks to, to dole out as pandemic response is not necessarily super progressive. Um, yeah, I think we need a, a, a new party, new leaders. Um, I just think the institution of the DNC is just, They've just proven time and time again, they're too corrupt to be trusted. And I realized that a bit ago. I think people are realizing that now and, and, and channeling that and, and giving them a, you know, hey, no, come, in, come, come over here, like jump in the water, water's warm. Like Bitcoin can actually actualize this shit that, you know, Elizabeth Warren says she cares about. You want to bank minorities and, and uh, you know, like fight Wall Street and big banks? but you think Bitcoin's the devil and you're going to do everything you can to make sure Bitcoin loses. Like what is really your incentives here? Like why this would actually probably, you know, and this is why we're seeing all these lefty voices come up because it does answer a lot of these questions. Like Bitcoin does kind of fix a lot of this stuff. Well, they're uh, going to lose the next election. Uh, yeah, I really, I really think so. Uh, I mean, I can't like, it's a very strange scenario because I can't, I mean, I'm not a Trump fan, but I can't no. help but feel like the they're doing everything they can to make sure he can't run. Yeah, I think because they're probably pretty scared. And I'm with you too. I'm, I'm, I, I, to me, like there's really no difference between a Biden and a Trump. No. It's purple party. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, why does Trump get, why do all the, the right, uh, you know, let Trump get away. I mean, he printed the trillions of dollars. He locked down everybody. Like, why does he, why does the right get a pass? And they say, oh, these Democratic mayors. It's like, yeah, they fucked shit up too. But like, Trump did the lockdown. Trump signed the Trump, checks. Exactly. He signed the checks. Exactly. So, you know, and that's what he does. Maybe that's why he was there in the first place. Like, he bankrupted his way. He knows what debt is. He bankrupted his way into the presidency as the president continually was trying to say lower rates, go to zero, let's go negative. Like, he basically did everything he possibly could to, you know, to, you know, destroy and, and cause inflation, really, to destroy the purchasing power of the dollar. And yet everyone like blames Biden for that. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't think Biden necessarily helped. But to say this is like Biden did that because gas prices are high. It's like, well, yes, Trump moved us towards maybe a bit more isolationist and a bit more, you know, energy independent for sure. But like these issues of monetary expansion was, you know, this is Dude. 2008 stuff. This is 1971 shit. We're really going to blame Biden for that. I, I don't like Biden at all. I think he's one of the worst politicians. In, I mean, the, the, the drug bill, the, the crime bill. I mean, uh, I think he's one of the greatest systemic racists of all time. And I think people saying defund the police, Black Lives Matter, vote Biden no matter what. It's like that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think Personally. I think you have an issue which we have a similar issue here in, in the country that and I, I wish people would recognize this more. Whether or not it's Trump or Biden in power, day to day, your life, your economic position is not gonna change hardly anything at all. They've all got a very very similar economic policy. There might be some tweaks here on tax on the right. You know, they might, you know, they might reduce taxes for the super rich a little bit more. Yada, sure. yada. There's some slight policy changes, but I just feel like it doesn't matter who's in power. Our lives are going to be almost exactly the same because people don't represent, they don't represent anything anymore. Like what do people stand for? Do I, do I honestly think whether we have a labor or conservative party, my life's going to materially change? Absolutely fucking not here. It's just not going to change. Totally. Tax is going to be very similar. 
you know, policy is going to be very similar. There are, it's almost like they, the, it's like everyone's converged to the center to try and win as many votes as possible, and there's very little difference anymore. And I wish people would recognize that. I feel the same with like music production. It's like algorithms and festivals have driven the mean to the top, and so now you have bands that don't even have their own fan bases, but they play and you know they're headliners at festivals. But if they tried to kind of do their own thing, that you know, they're festival bands, they're Spotify algorithm bands, right? Dude, we just had, I had tickets for Rage Against the Machine headlining Reading. Fuck yeah. And they, <laughs> nah, they pulled out. Oh no. Zach DeLaRosha busted his knee at a show. By oh. the way, which he did it at Madison Square Garden, still fulfilled the next two nights, but said he's not coming to do Reading. That's disappointing. That's very disappointing. And they replaced them with the 1975. Like, that what? What? The, what? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you should have you should have replaced them with Slipknot or Metallica yeah, or something. Yeah, Slayer. Yeah, Slayer. Yeah, yes, anything that yeah, 1975 is pretty much the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. Like, thanks. So I'm no longer going. But interestingly, when you talk about music, I'm just going off on a tangent here. Yeah. I just bought a record player. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And, and uh, Daniel was saying, well, you need to get some records now. So I went on Discogs and bought 30 or 40 records to get myself going. Nice. Quite interesting. And maybe it's just because I'm old, but I, I didn't buy any new records. Didn't yeah. It was all old stuff. What was the newest? Amy Winehouse. Yeah, which I, by the way, think is the last great album ever made. So I have a theory, and I think you're exactly right. I think music stopped, like interesting new music stopped rising to the top when Spotify sort of took over. And that happened, They it was founded in 06, but it didn't really get huge market share until like 2011, 2010. When have we, have we had a great record since 2010, when to, 11? When did Bad to Black come out? I think that was like 2007. I yeah, mean, I would say earlier, even maybe. D Danny disagrees with me. I think it's not my favorite Kendrick album, but I think To Pimp a Butterfly is a great yeah, album. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Kendrick fan, but I, I agree that it's definitely, certainly incredibly culturally important mm -hmm. and very influential as a, as a producer and bringing, you know, like free jazz to, to the popular. You know, I'm a big jazz guy and I, I love him for that. Like, yeah. that's the shit. I think when you go another 25 years down the line, you say, name the 50 best albums of all time. I think Amy Winehouse is, would, was the last great album to be made of genuine, genuinely brilliant music. And and yeah. I, I, but yeah, people disagree. That's just my opinion. I, but I think, I think Ken, I don't like Kendrick Lamar. I'm yeah. not a fan. I, I think it's the last great album. And yeah, I attribute it also because I think she was the last artist to really make record on drugs. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's part of this festival algorithm shit. It's like people don't want to take risks on these, you know, because they're like, why would we do that when there's like eight other cookie cutter you know, C plus bands, B minus bands that like, why would we take our risk on maybe, you know, a drug addict giving us a, an A minus record or maybe not even delivering? It's like, we'll just, you know, you, they can't take the risks on the margins anymore. And so it just all has homogenized into this just, and I think the political world has done that exact thing. It's I when was the last time we had a great politician? <laughs> the oh. last person that inspired hope, it, you know, was around that same time, like Obama did that. And then he dropped more bombs than Bush and deported more people than Trump. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, okay, great. <laughs> but, but now he makes Netflix shows right. and lives in a mansion yeah. by the ocean. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Safer Dean would call it fiat music. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, what, just out of interest, what's your favorite album of all time? Favorite album of all time. Uh, well, favorite and the best. Yeah, yeah, great point. Uh, I, would, I, mean, I mean, like sort of just first reaction. Um, I think my favorite would probably be in a silent way by miles davis wow probably and i noticed you had a miles davis uh picture yes, when i, I do came in. if very, i didn't know I could, I, i've a uh, member of ronnie scott's could have taken you oh wow 
Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big jazz guy. Uh, I went to school for jazz drums. I think I might've said that earlier. Um, but best, I mean, and it's funny cause I don't even think I would include it in my top five by that band, but I think Sgt. Pepper's and Lonely Heart Club's band is probably the best album of all time because of what it did. But I, it's not even close to my favorite Beatles album. I never put it on, but the way that it changed music, it broke everything open. You can do anything you want, production, songwriting, like just the most unbelievable. It has, it has my favorite. I mean, the uh, day in the life is probably my favorite song, right? I've, I've never been a fan of the Beatles. Yeah. I never had a Beatles moment. Oh man. I know. I, I feel bad for it. I just never did. No, I think no, it's no. Don't feel bad. like thrash metal. And yeah. What about you, Danny? Best and greatest. Uh, best is hard. My favorite is probably Elmatic. Oh, nice! That's a great shout. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the best hip hop like album. To back good yeah. songs. Have you watched the Nas, Nas documentary about no. it? It's good. I mean, uh, that is a good album. It, it's that's fr- one it's of those fantastic. few albums that doesn't have a single weak song. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, it's a fantastic record. Yeah, I for me, I'm going to go back to Rage Against the Machine as the best. The reason I pick it as the best is that also every single song is incredible. Yeah. Like every and single song. And there's a lot of songs on there. <laughs> 10 or 12. But like all the way through, Bullet in Your Head, Wake Up, yeah, yep. Killing the Like every single, take the power back, every single song's brilliant. There's not a filler in the slightest. Every single song could be the first single. But my favorite, is, my favorite album is probably, it's a tough one. Use Your Illusion 2 by Guns N' Roses. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. I controversially think Use Your Illusion are better than Appetite. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Now, I like that. I'm a contrarian. Uh, I, my record label, that's, you know, just me and my friends, is called Contrarian Records. So oh, nice. I'm all about the contrarian take. Even though I literally just said that I think Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, which is the most boring answer of literally all time <laughs> and like, <laughs> great. But I, but I really do think in terms of like what it did, like it, it just broke everything open, you know, like the progressive rock guys, the Canterbury kids, you know, like Yes and Genesis were like, oh, wow, we can do anything we want. And then, you know, like it just broke everything open and for that reason. But again, it's like, I wouldn't even put it in my top three Beatles albums. And I tell you an interesting thing about having children is you get introduced to new music you would never have listened to before. So my son introduced me to 21 Pilots. I've never have listened to them. I think they're pretty good. But the one that stuck, stuck out to me, with, by the way, I'm not a fan of her and what she says publicly. And I wouldn't go and see her in concert unless I was with my daughter. But I thought that Billie Eilish album was pretty good. I... And it's not something I would ever choose to listen to. Ten hundred percent. That that's one of the best radio songs ever. Bad guy. Yeah. The production on that. Get insane. me out of here. Yeah, it's incredible. It was all done in in her bedroom as well. Yeah. Was Have it? you seen the documentary about that? There's a, no. So there's a documentary about them making that record. It's her and her brother in her bedroom making that record. Hmm. They make the whole record in there. Uh, but 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 the lyrics to Bad Guy are kind of concerning for when you got an 11 year old saying, Dad, can we put on <laughs> Yeah, Billie yeah, yeah. It's like, ah. <laughs> what's she up to there? I think she's sucking dick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was, uh, I was impressed with that album. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker. I mean, the hardest thing to do in music is write pop. It's the hardest thing. It, it, I mean, uh, people love to say that it's formulaic. Like, sure, but the formula doesn't mean that it always works, you know? And, and that to me is, yeah, I mean, I'm such a sucker for really good radio pop songs you know even yeah. though i'm like yeah i love avant-garde jazz and like you know like l- let me listen to like can and this heat and like weird kraut rock shit and whatever but then like yeah i'll hear bad guy on the radio and then put it on spotify and listen to it like you know a dozen times in a row because i'm like what the fuck yeah what like, happened i love here? ear earwigs like earworms like dude i'm all about radio singles like you're that. quite eclectic with your taste then 
Uh, there's a Duke Ellington quote that I really like that there's only two kinds of music, good music and bad music. And I, that's I like, like that. that's, that's how I feel about pretty much movies, like, ev- like everything. It's like, and yeah, there are obviously like, I have my bias towards certain styles that I like, you know, like, um, like actually, like, I know you're a huge metal fan. Metal is one of the, the, the ones that it, it takes a group like transcending it. And then if they do transcend it, they're like some of my favorite bands of all time. So right? you would have been like Metallica, yeah. Tool, like, come on, Nirvana. Man. Yeah. Like you can't fuck with that shit. And actually Nirvana was very late in life for me, like recently. Oh, and really? the last couple of years I've been like, wait, because I'm such a contrarian, I would, I just sort of dismissed it until now it's cool again to like Nirvana, you know, and, and, uh, well, well, so my, good. my, my tip on Nirvana is like, uh, is in neutral is the, the best album. It, I, like, yeah. The quality of writing. No apologies, that dude. That was one of those earworm songs where I, it like clicked for me. I think it was live at Reading actually. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it was a repeat one. Heart shaped box for me. Yeah. So good. Uh, I had tickets to go and see them at Brixton Academy. Uh, they announced four, I think it was four nights at Brixton Academy. Uh, and I was watching MTV and I, th- I think it was Kurt Loder came on and announced that Kurt, Kurt Cobain had been found dead. Yeah. So I never got to see Nirvana and Nirvana at Brixton Academy would have been incredible. Same. Yeah. I never got to see Alice in Chains. So I'm a huge, this is, oh, yeah. this is my Alice in Chains arm. So that's Lane Staley. Oh, fuck the lyrics yeah. from Nutshell. Lyrics from Black Kid Way to Blue. Like that's, I'm a huge fan. Never got to see them live Dude, with him. They brought, uh, I'm a huge like harmony person. Like, Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, Bookends and Bridge Over Troubled Water are other two of my top favorite albums of all time. And I would say Bookends because it's more fun. I'm a huge harmony person. Alice in Chains does not get enough credit for their harmonies. Like, at all, period. They're the best of the grunge. Best of the four. Yeah. To me, they were the most unique. Uh, they were the I, most groundbreaking. 100% agree. Um, but but they weren't the most most commercial. Yeah. Uh, Pearl Jam was certainly... I mean, Jeremy was such a well-written commercial yeah. song. Um, and Nirvana just crushed it. Would come as you are, yeah. and yeah. But Alice in Chains for me just wrote the best stuff. Facelift is an incredible album. Dirt's an incredible album. Uh, Jar of Flies. When you listen to Nutshell Unplugged, it, like kind of now. I mean, it's my favorite song. It just blows my mind. Yeah, dude, we're going on and on here. We should probably talk about some Bitcoin <laughs> stuff because people are listening. Yeah. Go, Still trying to be Joe Rogan. Looking, yeah, yeah. yeah. For Bitcoin. But you've not even got into Whiplash, your favorite film with a jazz drummer. <laughs> That's true. Have you seen Whiplash? I have. You must have. I have, and I have to say, I think this is. Uh, another contrarian thing where like that I totally understand why everybody loves it. Cause you know, visually and, and, and that, you know, JJ Simmons. Yeah. You got the the acting incredible. Um, but like it was, it's such a bastardization of my life <laughs> that I just like, can't like, I, I watched it and just laughed the whole time. So what's like the when bo- he got hit by a car, I was like, what the, f-? like, sorry, spoilers. I was like, what, what, how, what like, what, that's the, the peak of the drama of, of like a conservatory story. I don't know. It was, but I understand everyone really loves it. So, okay. So somebody is, I love that. I put up their top three film. Like oh, wow. E.T. Casino and that. E.T. Yeah. E. Casino. That, that's amazing. Yeah. That's a great list. Yeah. Casino is Kino. Again, I love Contrarian again. Casino is better than Goodfellas. I really like Goodfellas, but I respect that a lot. And I that's got, just a badass thing to say. <laughs> I, I just can't respect anyone who thinks Goodfellas is better than Casino because like, it's distinctly better writing, better acting, better story. Yeah. I mean, if you, somebody said, like if Danny said, uh, he I think Goodfellas is better. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. You're finished. Jeremy, can you handle all yeah. Uh, it's Yeah, but it's not. I mean, have you ever watched them back to back? No. Yeah, watch them back to back. It's a lot t- of movie. Watch them back to back for two days in a row <laughs> and tell me if you honestly think Goodfellas is a better film. All right, I'll do it. And don't. You, got a long fight you can't. On. You can't be swayed just because Gimme Shelters in Goodfellas. Yeah. 
because that gimme shelter moment is, I think wins everyone. Yeah, but it's not. It's not about that. All right, I'll try it. Yeah. So, w- what are we missing in Whiplash? What do you see that we don't see? I just see. I just see a relationship between two people where you have to make a decision whether it's abusive or it's mentorship. Yeah, and to me, I think it was very clearly abusive, of course, and just not really a. Like, it's just, that's not what conservatory is like. That's not what mentorship should be like. No one should attempt a mastery like that. I think it's just like a really weird kind of precedent to set. But if you'd never of. thrown the symbol at, <laughs> what's his name's head? I mean, tough love is important, would right? You, would but, you ever, what is it, bird? Would you have, would you have done bird? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. I, uh, I, I think there's some, there's a, he, he sort of like almost like fetishizes jazz a little bit. And I think that there's kind of a, a little bit of a misunderstanding sometimes. And like, I don't know. I'm not sure. You're, I'm not saying you're missing anything. I think it's just like, I have too much context. The film wasn't about jazz though for me. Right. So I don't have to know jazz totally. or understand jazz or even like jazz to enjoy the film. Right. For me, it was about that kind of like fine line between mentorship and it was clearly abusive. Yeah. But there's that moment at the end where he pulls out the performance. They have that look and you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I, I, I respect it. I do. It's just I think it was just like too close to home and too not close enough to home at the same time. Did you have a JJ Simmons in your life? No, uh, no. I mean, I had some amazing teachers. Um, I studied under Bob Galati, uh, who's the man uh, in Boston, and uh, Tom Giampietro, like and uh, Steve Langone. Shout outs. Um, no one ever threw a cymbal or a chair at me. Uh, I've definitely bled on my drums from playing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bitcoin Magazine, they throw shit at me all the time, but uh, no oh, drummers. I bet this means you hated La La Land. You know, actually, I like La La Land more than Whiplash, I think, because of that. It wasn't so directly like my life. But there were definitely some things in there where it's like, like you know why they called like Charlie Parker bird? It's like because he liked chicken so much. It's like, well, that's not really true. Like, like yard bird. Like, it's like a certain. I, I don't really know, man. And like, so some things like that. I'm like, I sort of feel like I, you know, I say he sort of like fetishizes jazz and doesn't start. You know, he like is obsessed with it, but doesn't. I don't know. I think he's kind of missing some of the point. I guess. Um, right. We should really get some work here, Daddy. Yeah. You threw us down another. I know. I'm sorry. Another <laughs> rabbit hole here. Okay. Listen. Um, I didn't follow the tornado cash thing too closely to begin with because I just don't pay attention to uh, ETH too much. And also, I'm just less and less on Twitter these days. I'm yeah, just smart. spending a lot less time on it. Um, but a really good thread, I think it was from Miles Suter. Was yeah, it Miles, Miles said, did a really good thread. Yeah, yeah. Miles yeah. Suter did a really great thread where he said, like, Bitcoiners need to pay attention. To 100%. This. Um, so, for anyone who hasn't been following what happened with Tornado Cash, can you just do the kind of like TLDR, what happened? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't care about ETH at all. I don't think about it very much, but I do think about stable coins and the dollar yeah. and regulatory action and privacy and open source code and, you know, all of the things that connect all those things. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's such a, an important learning opportunity that really differentiates like why our incentives are the way they are, why our consensus is the way that, that, that it is. And even though Bitcoin is like very, you know, clunky and, you know, blockchain is not this magical one thing that's awesome. It's like blockchains kind of are clunky and kind of suck. But like, that's exactly what you want. Like you want that in, in, in hard money. Like, you don't want it to be easy. You don't want it to be cheap. And so uh, I think to, to not learn from, uh, I, I would say failure 
potential failure, certainly, and co-option um, by like dollar-backed entities. I think if you ignore that, uh, you know, potentially you're operate opening attack vectors in Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin can't nearly be as co-opted or dollarized uh, at the consensus layer as as Ethereum. Um, you know, there's no you know, just because you have more Bitcoin, that doesn't mean you have any consensus authority. Um, and that's not as true in Ethereum, you know. Um, so Tornado Cash, anyway, yeah, to sort of, to sort of get to that. It's, a, it's just an open source, non-custodial, like Tumblr. Um, runs on Ethereum virtual machine, so EVM. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, similar to a mixer or a coin join kind of situation. Um uh, obviously, there's some pretty big differences. Um, Ethereum doesn't have a UTXO model; they're all account based, um, which is why there's you know that like, well, how many Ethereum even are there? It's like, well, it does exist in there. It's just harder to find because it's every account is like a debit or or credit versus like you can just do get TXO out and you can see the literal UTXO set. Um, so Ethereum, because of that. Uh, has a lot more, you know, ability for regulatory fuckery. You know, you can have a, a Bitcoin wallet um, or, or a, a private key and you can make a new public uh, address, you know, ad infinitum, basically, and, and I can continue to pay that, pay that to you. On, on ETH, and, and I'd have no idea what other balances you have. On ETH, like, I know everything you have. I know, like, all of the sh other coins you have, all the little tokens, all the stuff. It's, like, very, very, very transparent. Um, and so Tornado Cash is one of the more popular, you know, things on, on Ethereum. Uh, and it's, it's, like, kind of an infrastructural, um, uh, you know, like, like bright light actually like it, it's actually pretty pretty great but uh yeah it uh it, it's getting uh on august 8th the ofac um the office of foreign asset controls uh which is like a subset of the treasury u.s treasury um that controls like sanctions from the government uh blacklisted tornado cash um, and said that it was connected to a North Korean money laundering, you know, like terrorist hacking group. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically if you're using this or associated with it, um, you're, you're, you know, you're committing illicit activity. Um, and it was really, really strange the way that it was all done. Like the secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, like put out a tweet that like specifically called out the protocol and there were actually no like specific sanctions made to uh, to developers or businesses. It was like literally, if you're associated with the protocol, you know, this is the the illicit thing, which is kind of new. It's always, you know, anytime they've they've been, made an attack on a mixing service or a Tumblr, and that's happened before, it's always been kind of directed at the people running it. Oh, you're doing you're running a mixing service. Okay, we can we you know. But Tornado Cash is, is a smart contract. It's still running. It's just no one's putting, you know, the, the volume has completely imploded, but like it's still running. There's nothing they can do to like stop it. It's just if you used it and then wanted to do anything else on Ethereum, you know, Circle, which runs USDC, has already agreed to blacklist, you know, all of the addresses that the, that the OFAC asked them to. Well, what's the implication of this? Because we've had Bitcoin addresses which have been blacklisted. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's been attempted before. I mean, I think Marathon put out a thing like you know not too long ago, where like we're gonna start you know doing OFAC compliant, and then like the signal they didn't they want to signal in the blocks. Yes, and then basically immediately like Fred Teal 
put out a video and was just like, it's not really possible. We can't really do it. It's not profitable. Um, and, and, and it, it, just the way mining works in, in, in Bitcoin, uh, it, it's, uh, there's um it's it's much harder to censor transactions in bitcoin like even if you have 51% of the hash right right which no one has but say you had 51% all you would have to do as like a, if they were censoring uh i would only just have to wait 20 minutes instead of 10 minutes you're eventually going to get in the block of course yeah and uh, you know is it possible that the doll a, a dollarized entity could you know subsidize you know, unprofitable Bitcoin mining uh, with the dollar to, you know, try to create like, you know, some sort of censorship ability in Bitcoin. Like it's possible, but man, is it expensive? Man, would you need a ton of energy and you need billions and billions of dollars of hardware that needs to be machined, which can't happen. So it's just, it's not impossible, but it's like practically impossible. But there's, there's two things to separate here. There's a censoring of transactions right. from the blockchain, which absolutely you can't really do, as you've explained, it's too difficult. But at the same time, when an address is sanctioned, me as an individual, if it's sanctioned and blacklisted by OFAC, I'm unlikely to be somebody who's going to want to uh, transact with that address. I'm not going to want to receive Bitcoin from it or, or send Bitcoin to it. Right. Uh, as somebody maybe has an address which has been KYC'd right. and connected, I just want to avoid that association. Totally. It's not worth, yeah, it's too risky for me. Yeah. Um, and there's just huge differences in in um, a proof of work system uh, to to a proof of stake system. Well, so what I'm getting, what I want to get to here is what is the difference? Yeah, you're going to about to answer that. What is the difference here? What are the implications of Tornado Cash? Yeah, well, there's so many. I would say the biggest one right off the bat is the implication that uh, regulatory, you know, uh, entities are here. Uh, the fight has started. Uh, open source developers are being arrested for writing code. Uh, which is free speech. Um, and they absolutely should not be arrested for that. And it's incredibly dangerous precedent. From the people behind sportsbet.io, we have BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino. Trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, not only do they have cutting-edge security, but fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money cannot buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against others and 24-7 live chat support, BitCasino is definitely the best Bitcoin casino out there. And if you want to find out more, please head over to BitCasino.io, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award. That is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And remember, please gamble responsibly. Next up today, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without ever selling their Bitcoin. And with recent events in the lending market, Ledin demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach. They don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation and have experienced zero losses as a result of their strategy. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and they are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserve attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. But not only are Ledin sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs now. So if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Next up, it is the Pacific Bitcoin Conference hosted by Swan Bitcoin on November the 10th and 11th this year in sunny Los Angeles. 
Now, I've known Corey, Yan, and Brady for years, and they are pulling out all the stops to make the Pacific Bitcoin a celebration of the Bitcoin community. I'm going to be emceeing the conference along with Natalie Brunel and Stefan Levera, and there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers, including Lynn Alden, Alex Gladstein, and Preston Pish. Now, Pacific Bitcoin is going to have the right mix of education and good fun with unique experiences. There's going to be a surfing simulator, and it's going to be loaded with other events and parties before and after the event. They are bringing the brightest minds in Bitcoin in to discuss a range of topics from macro to nation-state adoption and mining to lightning. You do not want to miss out on the inaugural Pacific Bitcoin Conference. It's going to be a badass event. I'm going to be there. I cannot wait to go. I cannot wait to see you all there. Now, Swan is offering a massive 20% discount to listeners of the show. Just go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code PETA. That's P-A-C-I-F-I-C-B-I-T-C-O-I-N dot com and use the code Peter. Also, we have Ledger. Now, recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is. And Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. And the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger has recently announced the launch of their new Nano S Plus, And the larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions. The Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. And listen, I have been a customer of Ledger since early 2017, and I absolutely love the S Plus. Now, if you want to find out more and purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Well, let's, let's explore that. Yeah. Not just take it as a given. There's there's the writing of code. What if you wrote wrote code that allowed you to steal money from a bank? Is that free speech? Sure. I mean, what what? Uh, I mean, that's like like building a road and then getting mad that criminals are like trafficking, you know, or bootlegging on it. It's so, like so. So, but are we separating somebody using that code, or, or so is the, is it the writing of the code or the using of the code for the action? Well, because if, if I write the if I write code that you use to rob a bank. Like steal the money from a bank. You're saying, well, I shouldn't be arrested for writing the code. But what if I write yeah. the code and so explicitly say, to break the law? Yeah. So if I hack into um, a bank and steal their money with code I've written, but the hack's the it, crime. The hack is the crime. Not writing the, the theft code. is the crime. It's not the the code you wrote to to brute force in or, or whatever. Yeah. But okay. But if somebody writes code to allow people to mix something. Where is the crime at this point? There shouldn't be any because there's no reason that privacy should be anything but a fundamental right. Okay, so that's the separation. That's what we're saying. Hundred percent. So writing allowed anyone to, but say you like, there's tons of legitimate reasons to use Tornado Cash. Oh no, no, I get it. I get it. I'm yeah. just trying to break down the differences just so right. people understand. I'm not supporting any of this. Totally. But if I wrote the code specifically for a criminal organization to use it, so if I was contracted by a criminal organization to write them code to launder money right have i then committed a crime i mean that i think is sort of what the state is saying is that like this is a north korean monetary laundering uh you know i think it's like the lazarus group or whatever that there's this like hacking group that's uh using cryptocurrency you know the extended space to like avoid u.s sanctions um yes that would be illegal but it would be the avoiding of sanctions like that would be the illegal thing it would be the theft it would be the hacking um the actual mix and there's infinite amount of reasons why and and in ethereum it's actually more important because of that xpub public address private key stuff we were talking about it's much more important in ethereum because it's account based and so you know i can see 
Jimmy Fallon's entire, you know, ETH history. Uh, whereas I can put up a public address and, and you can't see, you know, anything that I've done uh, in Bitcoin, even if it literally came out of the same private key. They need XPubs. They need XPubs. That's right. That's right. I know what oh, Shinobi about. says hi, by the way. He told me to, he told me to give you a hello. Oh, we, are we back friends, me and Shinobi? I, I hope so. Yeah. Water's so. warm. Come I on. I hope so. Send him back. Send some love back. I will, of course, man. I'm, I'm trying to break all the all that shit down. Everybody. Honestly, I want to be friends with everybody I've fallen out with. Anyone, even Safety can get in touch. We, I'm happy to be friends with everyone. Hundred percent. And and if you can't be friends with people you disagree with, like do some checking in on yourself. You I know? always think the people you disagree with are the people you spend more time with. You know, you try and understand them. Disagree. You don't have to have a beer with them. Try and understand them. Don't block people just because you dis- yeah. Block someone as a I, dick. I, don't I, block yeah. them because you disagree with them. Totally. It's fucking ridiculous. I actually use Twitter mostly to break the echo chamber and it gets me in trouble a lot. But it's like <laughs> people think I'm this like all right guy because I like love Pepe and I'm like a free speech maxi and whatever. And it's like, no, I'm actually like pretty progressive in a lot of ways. Pretty libertarian in a lot of ways. You don't even eat animals. I, I don't even eat animals. Can I talk about that? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you don't yeah, even eat animals. I thought it was really funny when they dropped off the, the thing last night. They were like, and the vegetarian, and you know, risotto. I'm like, you could have just said risotto. I you didn't really need to call me out <laughs> the here. fucking freak. We got the freak's <laughs> meal. Yeah. Right? Go and sit on the freak table. Yeah. We got the food for our food. You know, does anyone want to eat that? I was a vegetarian for 16 years. Wow. 16 years, two years vegan. And I, I've been toying with going back for a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually kind of toying with doing the opposite. Uh, I've done about 10 years and... Uh, it's good to mix it up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And you just eat a lot of carbs and that shit sucks and it's yeah. just bad for you. And I've had like some psoriasis stuff bust out because I think because of it and like if I don't take my supplements, I feel really shitty. Dude, and, when I when I wasn't working and I was a vegan making every meal, I was the healthiest I've ever been. Yeah. When I went to back to work, I got ill because I was eating carbs and shit. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many dinners as a bartender did I have that were just like cliff bars and Red Bulls, like, you know, <laughs> above a trash can? You want to know what bartending is? Like, that's what it is, right? Uh, anyway. It's just so bad for you. But yeah, yeah, back to Tornado Cash and stuff. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of big differences. Um, and uh, I, I, I think one of the more interesting, uh, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the main differences between proof of work and proof of stake is sort of how validation and mining works. Um, and again, we already mentioned like, just because you have over 50% of the hash rate really doesn't do much. Like you need an extreme amount of the hash rate to really do any sort of censorship and then continue to run and keep pace on everyone else. It's just not really incentivized to do that. And then also like you look at the mempool and, you know, if there are transactions that aren't getting put into blocks that normal, that normally would like, then you can kind of, okay, we can start to see. Um, you know, very clearly that there's censorship happening because why wasn't this high value, you know, fee, uh, you know, transaction recorded in the last block, but one that was cost less was that you can very tangibly see uh, the value in a candidate block, like a block template on Bitcoin. And, and, and so the guy who created Tornado Cash, he's been arrested. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and is still in jail as far as I know. Yeah. And as weird as Bitcoin is, I would help support his. Yeah, yeah, costs yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. Because this is, this isn't about Bitcoin. I mean, th- this is the U.S. government and the dollar system beating an open source project and a free speech project. Like, if you don't think this is a horribly bad precedent and something Bitcoiners should care about, like, I, I don't. This isn't like, oh, Bitcoin's winning because ETH is losing. It's like, no, there's this is a big change that's happening, um, and like. 
I don't give a shit about ETH at all economically. I think people are very utopic and naive in, in, in many ways in, in, in the system. But I don't think everyone that's involved in ETH is like a bad person or a bad faith actor. I think that there probably are bad faith actors involved. And I think the Joe Lubin in the ICO, uh, you know, pre-ICO era saying, you know, Hey, this is how you avoid KYC and like, uh, you know, investing like limits, you know, here's how you do it. It's like, I think that's pretty shady. And there's a lot of banking that was involved right away at the beginning. Um, JP Morgan has a huge part of, of, uh, Ethereum infrastructure. And so this idea that like, oh man, like it's user activated software. Let's slash away Coinbase and let's slash away all these government entities and regulatory entities and banks. It's like, that's a already, they've kind of been in there from the get go. So. But my point now is like it's irrelevant whether or not you think Ethereum is a good faith, faith product or, or a bad faith product. It's been compromised by the US dollar system, by stable coins, by losing the actual economic weight of the reserve asset. So I, well, let's get into that for two seconds. Like, the, like what's going to happen, you know, versus the user activated soft fork? Uh, you know, in the big block wars, Bitcoin as a, as a native asset can exist on any fork. And, you, and, you know, we probably have forks that we don't even know that exist that we could go sign and act, put our economic weight into um, and, you know, sell them. And a lot of us did that with Bcash or whatever. Um, but there's so many more that exist that we've, we've never looked at. Bitcoin can exist as a native asset on as many chains as it wants because it's just what it is an asset directly related to that chain. There's no reserve asset to it. Stable coins are the total opposite of that. You can't have a stable coin that's $1 possibly exists with $1 value on multiple chains. It can only be pegged one to one. So this merge that's about to happen where like there's going to be, you know, proof of work ETH that that still exists. We still have Ethereum Classic. That will probably get a lot of stuff. There's going to be, you know, like, you know, USDC ETH and there'll, there'll be this sort of like, okay, where's the fork going to go? Where's it, where's the economic nodes going to go? Does it come down to whoever has the reserve which backs it claims where it is? Yeah, it, it's... So if USDC, if oh, sorry, Circle, yeah. say we're going with, we're, we're rejecting Compl proof of work yeah. and we're going with proof of stake. Which they are. Yeah, which they are. Then if anyone held the the USDC that USDC is circle right yeah yeah if they held that then then people who are trading that know it has no value right and it's not just like okay oh it splits the fork and now it's fifty cents on one chain no it's yeah. like it's one dollar and it's pegged to one chain and that's it and so USDC itself has like fifty five billion dollars worth of value and then Tether has like another forty five or something and and then all of the other algorithmic stable coins that people use for DeFi, a lot of them are backed by USDC or Tether. So right? what about DAI? Because well, that's yeah, slightly it's, different. But it but it's backed I mean uh, there's fifty percent backed, right? Yeah. But that's humongous, you know? And yeah, so, but does that mean the one that stays on proof of work only loses part of its value? I mean uh, but a D peg of a stable coin is sort of a fundamental yeah. You know, it just sounds like a, but a huge. They'll ha presumably, they'll just have to go to the proof of stake system. Like yeah. They won't really have a yeah. choice, and that's kind of the point of this, right? Right. It right. sounds like such a huge shit show. It's. I mean, they're walking into like like we think the Fed is walking into a buzzsaw. It's like Ethereum is like sprinting headfirst into a buzzsaw. When is the they merge? should not go? I think it's meant to be 15th? September fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, I bet it doesn't happen. I I think it probably does, but I don't think it should. I don't think it should. They should not like. ETH is not the worst idea in the world. It's just one of the worst executions in the world. Like a supercomputer that's unstoppable code where you pay people to run code for you. Genius. 
trying to make it economically like important or rare or scarce? Why are you making your block space artificially scarce if you want to run super code, supercomputer code? It just doesn't. It, it, like, why are you artificially burning it? Why you don't want it to be rare? You don't want block. You don't want code to be scarce. You want people to be able to run code as cheaply as possible, um, and to artificially do it this like hard money ultrasound money meme is destroying Ethereum. Well, like it really is. The problem is it's never known what it really is. It's tried to be everything. Right? Yeah. It's tried to be a bit of Bitcoin, but a bit of smart contracts, a bit of this, bit of that, bit of everything. Yeah. Um, is the primary issue with the merge in that post-merge it becomes state captured? Uh, I think it already is state captured. Yeah, I but really what, do. So, I mean, so is it, yeah, but it's, well, you're, take, you're perverting the incentives away from the miners yes. and giving it to the stake validators and the holders. And so, which is going to only compound over years, you know. So it's more stake captured. Yeah. But of those validators, like the large ones are generally in the US and they're yes. the ones that are going to be OFAC compliant. So yes. then the entire network becomes OFAC compliant. Yeah, I think there's like 11 pools that have like almost 70% of all stake ETH. And like one of them, like Lido is like, 35%, it's like half of that. And and the way that Ethereum validation works is it's like, it's difficult. Like, I, uh, again, we kind of talked about, you know, it's easy to tell which would be the, the competitive candidate block. Um, so I, I think I was saying that, uh, I was thinking of this analogy of like, Bitcoin mining is like a monocrop. It's like, did, did we talk about this already? No. Nope. I know we talked about we it. We talked so. about it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like it's strawberries. So if you want to go build a candidate block, you go out to the field of the mempool and you look at all the strawberries and you just pick the biggest, juiciest ones. And it's super easy. And there's not it's not that hard. Oh, the reddest, biggest, boom, and you fill your, you know, your two basket. megabyte basket or whatever, four megabyte basket. And uh yeah, fill it with the biggest, juiciest strawberries. Minor extracted value and 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 staking pools is like it's like you go to building the candidate blocks is very complicated and 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 it takes skill because to actually extract the value to be like oh run this smart contract first then this front run this one front run that trade first and then valid like because you can see you know what you know people are doing and so you can actually make a move before their thing goes through and and you can take out the you know the juicier that's what mev is my yeah. objective value so that's like going to a huge farm that does tons of crazy stuff and you don't know anything about farming or vegetables or fruit and you have a basket and you see the strawberries and you go okay these are the juicy ones and you, you put them in but you miss that there's a huge potato crop under there because you didn't know that potatoes grow underground you didn't know that there's an apple that's like you know 30 feet above yeah, you but so what just that's that's life. Go figure it out. Well, it's just it, what it does is it centralizes staking pools even more. Oh, I see. So you you have to be in the biggest staking pool. Um, it's not, you know, like me and you could create a mining pool a bit on Bitcoin that would like ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine 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 percent produce the exact same candidate block as like the biggest mining pool as like slush pool or whatever, right? But like Lido's versus, uh, you know, the next staking pool in ETH, like they're going to have very different strategies, different techniques. And when you see one pool that's doing better than you the others, okay, you I go see. to that yeah, one. Yeah. And so you stay there. And not only do you stay there, they don't even have the code for you to even be able to leave at this point. Because the economics incentive will always right. be... Right. To, to stay there and they'll make it very difficult to move pools. Right now, you literally can't even. They haven't even built that code. Do you think 
d- developers are now going to want to build that code to be able to slash Coinbase after they just arrested a developer? For think, de- like, no, I really don't think that they will. I think this is why Harry Suddock says that Bitcoin mining pools will eventually trend to uh, zero commissions. 100%. Because that's all they can compete on. Yeah. Um, Stratum V2 is super important. We have to figure out ways to distribute mining rewards uh, in, a, in a safe and private way. There's a lot of stuff we do need to figure out with mining pools, but like the incentives is always, if you see a mining pool that is perverting the you know uh, the financial incentives of just mining the most expensive fees, um, you would leave that block because it's no longer the most like you would leave that pool because it's not the the most profitable pool, and and the issue isn't. And so you can much, do it in thirty seconds too. And the issue isn't so much itself with OFAC compliance in that you you know, we don't even have to have the argument about sanctions and whether they're beneficial or not. Yada yada. I I don't particularly want to support any terrorist group. No, but, but totally. Once you are once you're captured by OFAC compliance, you can be captured for any reason at all because you're captured. The state has full control at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's why I say I think ETH is really running into a buzzsaw because it's like, you know, the only thing right now that is sort of keeping this, this supercomputer decentralized code thing is the miners, is the proof of work miners. Well, to me, it just it just becomes essentially a company that has to follow uh, any regulation that's thrown at it and people want to use it have to follow any regulation yeah, that's thrown yeah. at it. It will still operate. It's not it, an asset. It's like a social network company. Yeah, yeah, You're so, right. yeah, it's basically, it's a social network on a blockchain. 100%. And, but it's no longer, it can no longer ever make any claim to be hard money, even though its current claims are ludicrous. Yeah. It's even more ludicrous now. It can never make any claim 100%. to be hard money. It can never make any claim to be decentralized. It can say it's distributed to some extent, but sure, no way but is it decentralized. Yeah. No way is it censorship resistant. It, and, and the merge is going to make all that worse because yeah. they're setting, you know, there's all this, uh, you know, like data debt, you know, all these smart contracts, it's thousands of gigabytes. And so they're going to create a point where you don't actually have to validate from Genesis anymore because it's so ludicrously expensive computation wise um, that they're going to set like a checkpoint and everyone's going to, you know, start validating from this point, which only allows that, uh, you know, perverse uh, you know, chain to, 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 to exist. It's, it's, you know, validating from Genesis is, you know, complete fidelity to Genesis is an incredibly important thing in Bitcoin. That's a CK term. Shout out to, to CK. Love uh, you, CK. Yeah. Love you too. Thanks for everything. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's an incredibly important part that you can validate everything back to the beginning. And in an ETH, it's, it's, going to be impossible to do that. And it already is incredibly hard, but it will literally be like, not, you can't do it. So that's it. it, Yeah. Like they're LARPing on a lot of that stuff. Um, In my opinion, it seems like decentralization theater. I don't know why you would want to do a blockchain for a lot of this stuff. I don't know why you would want to artificially make block space scarce. Like, I just think they're doing a lot of stuff that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And they have every right to do that. Open source, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Uh, I do think that, you know, pushing these narratives of ultrasound money and that we're decentralized and we're a supercomputer that's unstoppable code. It's like very clearly that's not true. None of that stuff is true. We're seeing that. Um, the thing that I think is super interesting is like if they go ahead with this merge, there's going to be the proof of stake Ethereum. And they used to say, I think, I mean, I don't pay too much attention to this, that there was going to be no proof of work like fork from this, that it was just going to move across right. to be entirely proof of stake. That now seems just clearly not true. Like there's enough people that I think want to stay on proof of work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, some, but, it's somebody actually 
forking it. It's something I mean, I'm sure it'll happen. But if it doesn't, it's, it's they're fucking stupid if that doesn't happen. But like, at what does it then become a choice? Of like, do you go with the centralized, like completely compliant Ethereum, and then is there's a still a censorship resistant Ethereum? Like, yeah, and maybe you have that, to. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Ethereum is going to be around for a really long time. I just think it's going to be completely co-opted and not be a supercomputer and just be this like CBDC generator, basically. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. Ethereum Classic, classic. Yeah. Would you say USDC is essentially a CBDC or is becoming a CBDC? Do we even think that it could be captured by the US government? Go, well, hold on, they've done the work for us here. We got this shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of of the theory that CBDCs are almost kind of like a red herring, where I actually think the government would much rather have a private entity run money uh, and, and, and would much rather... Because I think a private entity, a private company... Um, has much more, you know, like rights to be exclusive and to and to not give services to everyone. Whereas the government probably directly issued state, you know, money would probably have a lot more like restrictions on what they can restrict. Mm. Whereas I think a private entity like USDC, like they're very intertwined with the U.S. dollar system and regular and regulate regulations, but. They, I mean, they could choose to not service someone if if they didn't want to because they're a private company and they reserve that right. Whereas, like a government, I don't think a government issued money, uh, you know, could reject a citizen from using it in the same. It would be more difficult. So, I, I yes, I do think USDC is essentially the CBDC of of the U.S. And I don't know if the Fed will actually print a dollar coin or anything like that. I think like USDC is probably. What will be what will be used? I don't see its market share going away. I don't think what it's just done to take over Ethereum, like they're not they're going to just compound that and just get more and more and more powerful. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm I'm not really not I'm less worried about a CBDC coming out uh, and more worried about like mass adoption from governments of private entities that issue their own currency. I mean, August the fifteenth is going to be a date for the diary. Get yeah. your get your butter kiss popcorn in. I would take a bet that it doesn't happen on that date. I've got a feeling it's not going to happen. I've got a feeling. I mean, we'll see. I, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Like the, I think there's even like the ETH 2.0 contract where everyone's staking their ETH mm -hmm. was directly funded from a tornado cash <laughs> thing, which is like, what does that mean? Like, can does that mean that they can just comp like oh shit how many billion you know um <laughs> like we don't know what that means like we don't know what the implications of that mean because it depends on how they want to regulate hold on because you know? somebody dust the network with small amounts of ethereum that's exactly what's happening that's what's happening right now well that's i mean that's that's a way to fight it 100 percent. yeah yeah just dust everyone with tornado cash totally and Flick and that's kind of what they're doing right now and that's one of their main defenses is just yeah like let's throw mud everywhere and then we're all muddy and then hope that they just go that's too much work. Mm -hmm. Or they just hired 87,000 IRS agents <laughs> and they're about to... Like, blockchain is not transparent. I mean, it's, is, is not not transparent. It's very transparent. But didn't something similar happen with the OFAC Bitcoin addresses that people started sending Bitcoin to them with yeah. messages of like, fuck you? And yeah, 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 yeah. Like some opportune stuff. Um, I'm not 100... I don't know a ton on that, but... Um, hmm. All right, a good place to finish on this because we've got to go and watch a football match. Yeah, fuck yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, three wins in three we want. Um, what are the implications, therefore, for Bitcoin? Can this happen to Bitcoin? What are we going to be aware of? Like, where are we going to have our defenses up here? Well, I would say that uh, the Bitcoin system is very dollarized. And I think people are really naive about that. Um, I wrote an article 
called the Bitcoin dollar. And it's about this idea that, you know, it's entirely possible that, you know, maybe Bitcoin is actually very good for the dollar system. And uh, we've seen nothing but the dollar go up for the last year. And, uh, you know, there's there's two different values of ways you can look at the dollar the dollar system, right? There's the individual purchasing power of the dollar, which is obviously going to shit in many ways, like inflation-wise. But versus other foreign currencies, it's obviously doing very well. But And that is the, the crux. There's the, the net purchasing power of the US dollar system. So we can actually use Bitcoin and, and I say we as like the US government could use Bitcoin to hyperinflate or inflate the dollar system into a reserve asset that doesn't, that doesn't care, you know, about the demand and, uh, you know, basically recreate the petrodollar system where we're forcing people to buy dollars first to buy Bitcoin. And that's essentially what's happened. Uh, like 95% of, of like Bitcoin trading uh, pairs are US dollar based. Like everyone uses stable coins. This idea that the government doesn't want like tether around is like ludicrous. It's like, of course they do. They want as many people using the dollar as possible across the world so they can shovel inflationary effects into it. Like the government loves USDC. They love Tether, in my opinion. I think, I think that they do. And the fact that they've gotten away with it for this long me- kind of proves that, I think, in a lot of ways. So there's a dollarization of Bitcoin that's definitely possible, perverting some, some incentives. The way that's going to happen is dollar incentives perverting away from good custodial practices, like you know, uh, uh, someone offering like USDC yield on your Bitcoin, so you put your Bitcoin there. Like That's an attack vector. Um, potentially someone could subsidize a, a not profitable miner that's censoring stuff with dollars. Um, you could even end up paying mining fees like with USDC at some point. Like there's some perversion that the dollar system could do and certainly with second layer stuff. But I think on the actual base layer, uh, just Bitcoin just, it, it has, it's so simple and it has a much smaller attack vector for centralizing forces. Satoshi got so much right. He, yeah. And truly. everyone since. Yeah. Keep this fucking thing simple. Yeah. I, I mean, simplicity is a feature of Bitcoin. What and, about- and people say that it's not. And they're like, oh, well, ETH does this. And, and whatever, this this thing does that. And you can't do this on Bitcoin and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, good. Yeah. We want Bitcoin to be as clunky and as just Basic and boring as possible. And then also, like, let's innovate, do really cool stuff. Let's do federated Chalmian mints. Like, let's talk about covenants. Let's talk about ordinals. Let's do really cool shit on top what of Bitcoin. What are ordinals? <laughs> uh, Come on, man. It's a really cool uh, system. Um, basically, the idea is uh, an ordinal is just like a, a, a number. Uh, so, like, um, there's cardinal numbers and ordinal numbers. And so, ordinal is just like your order. So like the third duck would be an ordinal like versus like there's three ducks that'd be cardinal. Does that make sense? Yes. So ordinals is a system where uh, every Satoshi in a, in a block is just numbered first in first out. So like the Genesis block, you know, had Satoshi, you know, one through 50, you know, million, whatever. Um, or way more than that. Um, and so ordinals is a system where you actually look at like, <laughs> Just a fun way to look at it. But you look at like, oh, this was the first Satoshi uh, right after a happening. And you can look at the very specific sat and you're like, oh, this is, you know, Satoshi, you know, you know, one billion. And it's like, you got a bunch of zeros and you can create artificial value on cool looking, you know, Satoshis. You know what this is? Number plates. <laughs> yeah. It's personalized number plates. Yes. 
Yeah. Does that not kind of ruin fun fungibility though? Uh, it has. It, re it doesn't affect base layer at all. Okay. It's all it's just, just like a, a way game. to look at it. Okay. Yeah, ordinal theory. But, yeah. Okay, but back to the implications. What about for people who are working on privacy tools for Bitcoin? How should they feel right now? I think everybody should be as you know. They should be prepared for the worst, uh, and and they should do everything. You know, I think GitHub censoring people, government, uh, you know, arresting developers is just such a bad precedent. And I don't think I, I really would just be so afraid if if developers stopped developing and were so afraid. But I do think that many should probably publicly say they're no longer doing it, and and really, and I think a lot of people are already doing that. We're seeing a lot of people step down that probably aren't really stepping down, and. Uh, I think more of that is really good. I think we need a lot more anonymity and 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 development, um, and we need more support, and we need more avenues from Bitcoiners to give to developers to actually enable that to happen. Like we can't be LARPs. We 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 make all of our money on hardworking devs, and we should give back and support them. Well, I want to I want to give back and support the legal case for this. Yeah, ETH guy. Of course, I, I me, me too. I, I really do, and I don't believe in ETH, uh, but. I believe in open source and I believe in developers and free speech. Like, aren't we Bitcoiners, right? Hmm. Um, and I'm obviously anti-US dollar and I don't want the dollar to win, um, even though I think the dollar will be around for an incredibly long time. And I don't see Bitcoin like removing the dollar's existence. I actually think them being very like, you know, sy sympathetic or, you know, yeah, just very simpatico moving forward. I think they both help each other a lot uh, in a very strange way. Um, all right, man. Well, you ready to go and watch your, your first soccer yeah, match? I soccer. Am. Yeah, Soccer. Yeah. Soccer ball. Believe it or not, even though I look like I'm like 4'2", I was a keeper in, in high school for a bit. Well, I, I would have liked to have played against you because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have chipped the ball a lot. Yeah, you you told us last night that you were a goalkeeper and a basketball player, and yeah. I don't believe either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty bad point guard. Uh, I got like a 15% like three-point shot, probably, on a good day. Well, listen, this is the rap show. That's a wrap. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Dude, anytime, man. Well, listen, we'll be up in uh, we'll be up in California soon, yeah. November time. We'll yeah. hang out again, talk again. Uh, yeah. Enjoyed having you on the show. And uh, how do people find you and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time, I promise I won't be like six hours of sleep in like no, 48 hours. No, dude, you hours, killed it. So. You're fine. Uh, I appreciate dude, that. if we weren't going to watch a football match, we'd probably run for another hour. <laughs> Love that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, MarkGoodW underscore IN. So Mark Goodwin with an underscore between the W and the IN. Uh, also my website, same thing, but with a dot instead of an underscore. Um, and then uh, subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine print issue and uh, yeah, support the good shit, support authors, support developers. Um, yeah. Peace out, bro. Peace All out. Right. Cool. We did it. Take care. Okay, thank you for listening to What Bitcoin Did. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark. I really enjoyed this one. A lot of stuff going on with Ethereum at the moment, questioning whether the merge will happen. Looks like it might have been state captured. Anyway, listen, I know we spoke about music a lot, but to be honest, these relaxed interviews are shows I enjoy. It's all right to get into a bit of other stuff, so I hope you don't mind that. Anyway, if you enjoyed the show and you've got any questions about it, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if you haven't been checking out my team, Bedford, which I talk about a lot, sorry about that. For those who don't like football, we've played four games in August, we've won four games, and we are top of the table, which is amazing. Check them out at railbedford.com. Okay, have a great weekend, and I'll see you all soon. <laughs>